welcome tonight to World Changers Church Houston on this night of not letting the rain keep you away. We're glad that you made it. <laughs> For those who uh, may have got caught in work or saw traffic was a little thick and you're joining us on, online, we want to welcome you as well, as well as those who are out of state watching us. Um, tonight, I want to just dive straight into what God is sharing. As you know, we've been talking about right ruling is right living, and the only way I'm going to live right is if I believe right. Amen? And we've been looking at the fact that our attitude affects our belief. Amen? The type of attitude I have affects how I believe, and my attitude is very simply put, how my mind is set. You know, in whatever way I'm setting my mind, it's like setting a thermostat. You know, if you set the thermostat on 60, then what's the room going to be? It's going to be cool. If you set it on 85, it's going to be hot. Whatever the setting is of your mind, that's going to dictate the position uh, of your life at the end of the day. But I wanted to kind of continue on that track, but take a little minor de detour uh, by the leading of the Holy Ghost, because how many of you guys know that when you are learning who you are in Christ, that you're kings and queens and you're seated in heavenly places with Jesus, and you begin to walk out what he's called you to do, how many of you guys know it's the devil's job to attack? It's the devil's job to try to get you to give up, cave in, quit, switch course, begin to doubt God, uh, begin to get into something we call self-effort, trying to fix the problem on your own. So tonight, I want to talk to you about, and I want to encourage you to stay the course. Somebody say, stay the course. Come on, somebody say, stay the course. Because like I said, it's easy to get on the course in the sense of once you finally get revelation and you get breakthrough and you're like, oh, that's the way I'm supposed to go. That's what I'm supposed to do. Uh, that's the job I'm supposed to have. That's the school I'm supposed to go to. That's the person I'm supposed to marry. That's the whatever it is. And you get that moment of, of I got it. And then you get into it. But then how many guys know it's much harder sometimes to stay into what he leads you to? Amen? So we have to, in the moment, uh, or not the moment, in the midst of walking out who God has called us to be, we have to always be keeping ourselves built up in our faith. Amen? Let's look at a few scriptures on this. Go, to, go with me to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 1, and we're going to read mostly from the New Living Translation tonight, uh, a few scriptures from the Amplified, but... This one, we'll start here at verse 1, and we'll go up to uh, verse 3, then 4. It says, whatever happens, and this is Paul writing to the church of Philippi. He said, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, do what? Do what? Rejoice. Do what? Rejoice. Some of y'all saying that like you had a rough day today. <laughs> he, said, he said, whatever happens, doesn't matter whatever occurs, no matter what comes, he says, Rejoice, but not just in anything, in the Lord. Amen. One of my favorite movies uh, is called Last of the Mohicans, and it's this moment where uh, they're about to get separated, uh, one of the main characters from the woman he's fallen in love with, and uh, these other um, Native Americans are coming uh, to kind of rip them apart and everything, and he begins to tell her, no matter what occurs, I will find you. And he told her, just stay alive. Just keep going. And even though there may be a whole war in between us, I'm going to find you no matter what. You just keep going. And, and I, and I kind of got that picture in my head 
here when Paul is talking. He says, whatever occurs, whatever happens, it doesn't matter. The blessings of God will always find you. The promises of God will always catch up to you. No matter what occurs, no matter what happens, you need to make sure that you are rejoicing where? In the Lord. Who is the Lord? That's Jesus. No matter what occurs, you need to rejoice in what Jesus has already done for you. See, if I begin to focus on the situations and the circumstances and my own personal ability and my self-effort, then how many guys know, especially if I'm having a rough week or a rough day, I don't find much to rejoice in. Because I might be going through depression and I might be going through sickness. There may be attacks happening in my life and if I focus on me and try to rejoice in my self-effort, I may find out there's nothing to rejoice about. But when I look at what Christ has done for me, when I look at what Jesus did up on that cross, I always find a reason to say, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Why? Because I'm saved. Because I'm delivered. Because I'm set free. Because I got the Holy Ghost on the inside of me, and he is in love with me, constantly shedding that love abroad in my heart, constantly leading, guiding, and directing me, constantly reminding me not only who I am, but whose I am, that I am protected, that I am set in heavenly places with Jesus, that all is well in my life. So I rejoice in the Lord. Amen. Now, Paul being as awesome as he is, and I kind of feel like him tonight, when this message came to my heart for you and, and, and God adjusted the message just for y'all. I said, just for y'all. He said, some people are going to need to hear tonight to stay the course. And I'm like, Paul, I, I never get tired of telling y'all these things. Verse 2. He says, and I don't, and I do it. Why? Why is he telling us this? To do what? To safeguard your faith, to safeguard your confidence in God and his word, to safeguard your ability to say, Lord, I trust you more than what I see. He said, rejoice in the Lord. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. And I'm, not, and I'm never going to get tired of telling you this because I'm telling you this so your faith has protection. How many of you knew that your faith needed protection? That confidence, uh, that, that mindset, that attitude that says, I trust God, needs to always be protected so that it can stay set to the right setting. What's that setting? A setting of, I believe in Jesus. I believe in what he did more than what I could ever do. I believe in what he did more than what I can see. I believe in what he did more than what I'm hearing. I believe in what he did more than how I'm feeling. You need to rejoice tonight in what Christ has done because what he did has already secured your blessed future. Grace has already given you all the success you'll ever need. That's just verse one. Verse two. <laughs> he says, watch out for those dogs. God, dog. <laughs> And in case you thought he was talking about the type on four legs, he said, those people who do evil, 
those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Now, if you've been with us for any length of time, you understand that Paul's not just talking about physical circumcision in that sense. He's talking about the fact that circumcision under Jewish law and under the law of Moses, more particularly the Mosaic law, was how one became right with God. It was how one said, I am God's person and I am trusting in God. Well, I'm trusting in the law and I'm going to live by that law. Circumcision was a symbol of I live by the Mosaic law and therefore it's all about me being right with God by what I do, not by what Christ did. Are you here? So here's Paul coming teaching this new gospel, this new thing called grace, and he's saying we rejoice in the Lord, not in the law. We rejoice in what Jesus has done, not in what we can do. So he said, be careful for the people who are going to come to you. And he called it, he said, they're doing evil when they come to you trying to tell you that you should be living still by the law. The law never saved anybody. The law never transformed anybody. All the law can do is tell you how wrong you are. Amen? Amen? Let's keep going. Verse uh, 3. He says, For we worship by the Spirit of God. We who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. Why? Why? Because we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. True circumcision, uh, truly being set apart from God, uh, for God, truly being set apart for God is the folks who say, I trust in what Christ did. We put no, how much confidence did he say put in self-effort? We put no confidence in our Actions, behaviors, also known as human or self-effort. We have to be careful of this new religion that's starting called performance-based Christianity. What is that? Well, that's Christians who are saved, meaning they believe in Jesus that he is their savior, but now they believe in order to stay saved, they got to do right. In order for God to stay cool with me, I got to do right. The problem with that, when we're trying to stay the course, is when we begin to fail in any area of our life, make a mistake, feel a little bad, kind of find ourselves maybe doubting, all of a sudden, not only do we, not, not only do we just feel bad, but now all of a sudden, all of our trust in God begins to go away. Think about it. Let's just think about this. When you, and I'm not, don't raise your hand. But when you begin to fall into this sadness or this depression or different things that kind of can, can go on when you're trying to trust God and you've been doing good and then you begin to, to kind of fail, let's just be honest, kind of fail at it, you begin to feel bad. And if your belief is that if I continue to feel bad, bad is going to happen to me. If I begin, continue to do bad, bad is going to happen to me. Now you put pressure on yourself to try to be better and do better. And you have fallen into a trap of performance. You're not trusting in God. 
You're trusted in, I have to make myself feel better and I have to immediately do better. Otherwise, I'm going to miss the blessings of God. And Paul said, don't put any confidence in that. He said, instead, if you're feeling bad, if something's going on, you put your confidence in the fact that Christ has already done it all. And when I'm feeling this way and I remind myself, wait a minute, even though I feel this way and even though I made this mistake, I am the righteousness of God. So even though I don't feel like it, even though I didn't just act like it, the truth is I am still right with God. I am right with God. I am right with God. And as you begin to remind yourself of that, it begins to, guess what? Change the way you feel. Change the way you think. And before you know it, you're back in tune with the Holy Spirit and he begins to give you direction and it changes what you do. And what did you do to fix it? You only believed. You only reminded yourself that you're right with God. And see, we, we, we don't... We don't give that fact enough credit. When I discover and realize and remind myself that I'm the righteousness of God and I believe on what Jesus did to make me right, that's what this whole thing is about. All of a sudden, everything becomes right when I figure out he's not mad at me. Everything becomes right when I figure out that even though I don't feel good and I'm messing up, that he is still there giving me favor that he still loves me. And that even if I've sat down on the course that he's given me and I'm having a pity party, I can still get up and keep going without penalty or punishment because Jesus took all of that on that cross. How many guys know that's some good news? So Paul is, he's reminding the church of Philippi, he's saying, guys, no matter what happens, don't fall back into the old way or into the way of the Mosaic law and you begin to put confidence in your human effort. How many of you guys know we're not the only ones to go through something as Christians? They were going through some stuff back then. Amen? And think about it. They didn't even have a lot of the comforts of life that we have. So I can only imagine... <laughs> Some of the normal pressures that they were going through just with people, but just imagine all the other stuff. They didn't have no electricity back then. There was all types of just regular hardships I'm sure they had. And he said, no matter what goes on, don't, don't, don't put confidence in human effort. Let's keep going, guys. He says, though I could have confidence, now this is very important. I really want y'all to pay attention to these next couple of scriptures because Paul's going to... He's going to qualify some things here about self-effort and performance. And oftentimes, we haven't really studied this too much in church because, you know, we kind of looked at Paul and just said, oh, Paul wrote, you know, a lot of the New Testament, and yes, we follow Paul and everything like that, but we don't really pay attention to his backstory a whole lot and what happened. So let's read this, and then I'll kind of break it down a little bit. He's, Paul says, don't put any confidence in human effort. And then he turns around and says, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anybody could. 
Now, the King James, if you read that, it's, it's a little confusing for a second. You're like, what is he trying to say? Paul said, don't trust in what you do. But if anybody could brag, if anybody could be up here like, I, I'm all that, he said, I could. Now, obviously, you would say, whoa, Paul, that's a little arrogant of you. Like, like how, how can you be that confident that you're all that? He said, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, keep going. He said, I have even more, verse 5. Now, he, here's where he says why. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. He said, I, I, was, a, I was a baby. See, many people don't know Paul was Jewish. He said, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. Check, check, check. And a member of the tribe of Benjamin. Keep going. He said, I'm a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. Check. <laughs> I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded, not obedience, the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. So let me give you some context here. Paul was a hardcore Jewish law, Jewish follower. So now when you hear this guy talking about don't follow the law, it makes a total difference now. See, when he had that experience on the road to Damascus, that wasn't just a, he just dude's a sinner, and then he had his experience with Jesus, and now he's saved. Ta-da! No, no, no. This is this strict Jewish dude to such a point that he's hunting Christians down who are preaching the gospel and killing them because they're preaching against the law. And then Jesus got a hold of that guy named Saul and transformed him by grace. And when his mind changed and his heart changed, he became a whole nother person preaching in a whole nother faith. And that faith was Jesus. He had a transformation from law-mindedness to Christ-mindedness. So he said, I was a part of these guys who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. He said, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted who? The church. That's what I was just telling you. And as for righteousness, as for, as for what they thought righteousness was at that time, he said, I obeyed the law without fault. He said, I, I follow that thing. Verse 7. I once thought, here's where the transformation is. Here's what we have to be careful of. Here's where the work gets done for human beings because your spirit is saved and sealed, right? Paul gives us a clue right here of what we have to guard and protect. He said, I once thought these things were valuable. But now I consider, where does thinking and considering happen? In your mind, in your soul. But now I consider them, how valuable are they? 
worthless. Following the law, he's saying it's worthless. Living by the law perfectly, he's saying it's worthless. Being a Pharisee, uh, being not only that, being Jewish, being all of this. He's saying, you got to hear what this dude is saying. He's saying, all this stuff I've been doing since I was eight years old is worthless. My ethnicity, worthless. My belief in the law, worthless. My religious practices, worthless. What church I used to go to, worthless. How long I've been saved. At the end of the day, he's saying, it's nothing because of what Christ has been, has done for me. I don't have faith in, well, I've been saved for 45 years. Well, I used to be a part of this church. Oh, well, you know, uh, black people this, white people that, Hispanic people this, Asian people that. He's saying, listen, it's all about what Christ has done. Archie, why, why is this important for staying the course? Because all of those other things that get dangled in front of us that we attach to our identity, those things become roadblocks and stumbling blocks to you having faith in Christ. You're going to be having faith in being black, a faith in being white, a faith in being Hispanic, or faith in being saved this long, a faith in going to this church. And Paul is giving us a clue. Now, he's talking about the law in particular, but there's some other nuggets in there. He's saying, don't get caught up in all these other identities. Let your identity just be Christ. We're all equal. We're all the same. The gospel of grace is an equalizer. And he's saying, your focus has to be on that. Otherwise, you're going to fall back into self-effort trying to maintain all those other identities. Well, you know what I'm saying, but as a black person, you know, I got to make sure I don't lose my black card. So, da, da, da. And so now I'm back into some self-effort stuff. Oh, y'all want to talk about that today. I'm just trying to help you get some peace. <laughs> Stop trying to be seven people, just be one. Be like Christ. So Paul is saying, he's saying, listen, all this law stuff that I used to do and all these things that promoted self-effort, he says none of those are, mean anything. They're worthless because of what Christ has done. He said, if anybody could brag, it could be me. Uh, let's go to verse 8, but go to verse 8 and the Amplify it for me. I want to show you something. Actually, go to verse 7 in the Amplified, and we'll read it through verse 8. Mm -hmm. He said, but whatever former things I had that might have been gains to me, keep going, he says, I have come to consider as one combined loss for Christ's sake. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless Privilege. You should write that down. You have a priceless privilege. It says the overcoming, keep going, preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage. You have a priceless privilege. It's a preciousness. It's, it's a surpassing worth. It's a supreme advantage. Say that with me. Say, I have... Supreme advantage. In knowing Christ Jesus our Lord, we have supreme advantage. He said, in supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. 
of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake, I have lost what? What, you know, what is he talking about? He's talking about all that stuff he just listed that were his uh, qualifications. He said, for Christ's sake, I have lost everything and consider it all to be mere rubbish. Who knows what refuse is? Refuse is like poop. <laughs> it's like dog poop, I'll put it that way. It's, 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 it's more than that. But it's, he says, it's crap. He said, every, he said that stuff is a, a, a more politically correct, or church correct way to say it, would be his waste. He said, that stuff has nothing. It's dregs. Keep going. He said, in order that I might win, gain Christ, the anointed one. So, so, so he very well does a great job in basically saying self-effort and performance are worthless and should be worthless to us when it comes to the fact that we are right with Christ. And if I'm going to stay the course, I have to always remember that fact. That it's not about who I think I am, and it's not about what I think I can do. It's all about who he is, and it's all about what he's done. If I can keep my attitude fixed on that, if I can keep my focus fixed on that, that is where my joy will come from. That is where my confidence will stand on. Because that's not a rocky, but yet it's a solid foundation. Uh, let's go to verse 9. Let's stand and amplify it. He says, and that I may actually be found and known as what? In him. Not having any self-achieved or self-effort righteousness that can be called my own. Based on my obedience to the law's demands, ritualistic uprightness and supposed right standing with God thus acquired. But possessing that genuine righteousness, which comes through what? Faith in Christ. Now, who is Christ? The anointed one. The truly right standing with God, which comes from God by saving faith. Where does my righteousness come from? From God. How do I get it? By saving faith. That's why Paul said in the very beginning of this chapter, I am telling you this to safeguard your faith. If your faith begins to not be safeguarded and comes up under attack, you could begin to fall in unbelief. And if you begin to fall in unbelief, you're going to forget that you are the righteousness of God. And your righteousness comes from God. You will start thinking your righteousness comes from how you behave. See, remember, this is all in the same chapter. Paul is saying, you got to safeguard your faith, otherwise you're going to fall back into self-effort. You're going to fall into unbelief. You're going to allow bad feelings and bad actions to start getting you to not trust in what Jesus has done. And not to get too far ahead of myself, but we know in Galatians 5, uh, verse 4, it says people who don't believe in what Jesus has done and believes in their own self-effort are people who are falling away from grace. And Paul's warning the church in Philippi, listen, don't fall away from grace. Stand firmly in the position that grace has given you. But he told us, he said, it's about what you're considering. 
It's about how you're thinking. It's about what you're believing. Say this when we say, I believe in Jesus and on Jesus. I am one with him. I have faith in Christ. My righteousness comes from God because I have faith in what Christ did for me. And that's what you got to stick to. That's what you got to stick to. Tomorrow morning when you get up, you have to stick to that. Tonight when you get back home, you got to stick to that. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody does. In between now and when you wake up tomorrow, you stick to what you know. You've been coming to these services. You've been training your mind and renewing your mind by, by the word, allowing the Holy Spirit to transform you, allowing God to work on you. Don't allow anything to get you off course. I'll say that, Lord. You made the right decision when you made the decision to follow the Holy Spirit. So don't start doubting now. I said don't start doubting him now. There's always going to be an attack. Because without the attack, you would never be reminded that you got victory. I said you got victory. Some of us want to cry, and some of us want to fall out because we're in a battle. But God never promised that you wouldn't have a battle, but he showed up promises the victory. Amen. So when a battle comes, you just count it all joy. Why? Look at this battle. It's, it's about to be a victory. Look at this. Look at this victory about to manifest. Look at this increase about to happen. Look at this turnaround about to take place. Look at this healing about to be performed. See, the devil is a liar. So whatever he's presenting to you, believe the opposite because the opposite is the truth. So when they say you got cancer, the truth is you're healed. When they say your marriage is going to fail, the truth is it's about to be better than ever. When they say you're about to be fired, the truth is you're about to get promoted. Whatever he's saying, the opposite is the truth. You just got to stay the course. His job is to come and steal the truth to kill what God has put on the inside of you and to try to destroy your hope in the future that God has for you. You got to declare, I got life That's right. that the devil nor the world gave. I didn't even get this to me, so I can't even mess it up. Come on. Come on. Oh, somebody need to hear that on the day. You can't mess up what you didn't give. The only thing you can do is reject it, but you can't mess it up. I said the only thing you can do is reject it, but you can't mess up what grace has provided for you. You cannot corrupt the gifts of grace in your life. You cannot corrupt what God has already placed. Now, the only thing you can do is choose to walk past it, but it's there and it's good. Doesn't it say that in James that only good and perfect gifts come from above? Well, who do you think gave them to you? God, your Father. And Jesus gave you access. Grace gave you access. 
So stop thinking you don't have something because you messed it up. Be patient for the manifestation. I don't know why it ain't there yet in the natural, but I can tell you your blessing already exists. Be patient. Stay the course. Count it all joy. Trust God. So stick to the renewal of your mind training. Stick to what you know and keep going. Let's go to Philippians. Uh, we're still in Philippians, right? Yeah, let's go to verse 12, and let's go back to the New Living Translation. So obviously, you know, as you go and study this some more, and you just need some encouragement, man, read Philippians 3 all the way through. Keep going to 4, because you get to 4, he starts talking even more about thinking right and trusting God. So just, I mean, it's, it's, it's full of, encouragement, but the, but the theme throughout, throughout, throughout it is, hey, don't trust in what you can do, though. Trust in what, what, trust in what he did. Yeah. I think it's in uh, chapter 4 where Paul begins to talk about, you know, I'm, I'm content whether things are going good or they, they, don't, they don't look so good. He says, I'm content. Why? Because I'm trusting in what Jesus did. Verse 12, it says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved all these things or that I have already reached perfection. Keep going. He says, but I, what's that word? He said, but I what? But I press on to possess that, uh, to pos uh, press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. I think the King James says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Verse 13, he says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Keep going. Forgetting. See, where's forgetting happen at? So we're still in our mind, right? Do you notice that nowhere in here does he talk about you doing anything physically? Have we read anything we physically need to go do to get this thing together? We're still talking about believing. We're still talking about right believing so that we can rule right here on earth. He says, if you're going to rule right, if you're going to walk in what Christ Jesus has for you, you're going to have to forget some stuff. Amen. Oh, Lord. You're going to have to let some stuff go. You have to let some stuff drop. Why? Because it is anchoring you in a past that is not what God has for you any longer. And the longer you stay in the past, the more you open yourself up to a sinful, unbelieving, doubting God life. It's not that you're not a good person, but unforgiveness is causing you to be stuck in the past. And what God has for you is ahead. That's why Paul said, I'm pressing, I'm moving forward. Why? Because perfection is there. Not there, it's there. And if I don't forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead, keep going. He said, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling 
us. It's time that we press on. It's time for us to stay the course. But we got to make a conscious effort and a conscious decision that we will forget. See, I can't go cuss nobody out if I don't even remember what they did. I can't go beat nobody down if I don't remember what they did. I can't dog nobody out. I can't defend myself to this person and that person if I've forgotten putting that stuff under the blood and said it's over. But you don't understand the effects of what they did. The effects of what they did only reach as far as your mind. The effects of what they did only reach as far as your belief. Your belief stops their action and the effects of it. Why? Because Christ died for your healing. And with his blood, the effects of that bad thing that happened to you, it stops at the blood of Jesus. So once you believe in what the blood has done, that stuff has no more effect in your life. But they lied on me. But the blood is greater than that lie. But you don't understand what they did to me when I was a kid. I, 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 I empathize and sympathize with you on that. But the blood is greater. Don't allow that stuff to hold you back not another day. Don't give the enemy any more place in your life. It's time for you to walk in your freedom. But you got to forget those things that are behind. That's behind you. Yesterday, somebody say, how far back do I go? When you, when you walked in this building. <laughs> that's, yes, that, that's, that's the past. You look at where you're at now and where you're now headed. Pressing towards the mark for where Jesus is calling us. If you understand that, say amen. So the press, to press means to run swiftly in order to catch some person or something. Think about that. Press means to run swiftly in order to catch some person or something. What is it you're trying to catch? I don't know about you, but I'm trying to catch all the blessings <laughs> that God has for me. I'm trying to catch all the empowerment to prosper that God has for me. Now, let me, let me help you understand something. That's, that's not just because I want to be rich. That's not just because I want to have the power of the Holy Ghost all upon me so I can have power. No, I'm pressing on to get all that he has for me because I've accepted his call to love his world. And I need the stuff to get the job done. Oh, it takes money to spread the gospel. It definitely takes, obviously, the power of the Holy Ghost to love people. I don't know what you need, but the Holy Spirit knows everything you need. He knows the word you need to hear. He knows the things that he needs you to hear uh, uh, and somebody to say a word of knowledge to you so you can say, that's the Holy Ghost. He knows the power that you need as far as healing in your body. He knows what faith needs to be applied to a situation in your life so mountains can move. He knows what you need. And the only reason why I seek to have that power is to be a conduit of God's love for you. But in order for him to be able to use me, I have to have pressed on. Yes. 
I have to have forgiven. I have to have trusted him. I have to have relied on him. I have to have stayed the course. And that's why the devil wants to knock each and every one of you off your course. Because he does not want you to experience peace. He does not want you to experience power. He does not want you to experience prosperity. He just wants you to experience poverty and punishment from, from what he wants to tell you is God. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus took all the punishment for you. He became sickness. He became sin. And if he took it all and dealt with it all, there's nothing left for you to deal with. Press on. Verse 15. It says, let all who are, now here's a category of people, spiritually mature. Wow, that's what we've been talking about, I think, on the other side of this board. Let all who are spiritually mature, not the slaves, those who don't know Christ, not the children, those who are still drinking the milk because they really don't fully believe and trust God, just yet, or Jesus just yet, those who are maturing, let all who are spiritually mature do what? Agree on these things. Everything we just talked about, the spiritually mature says, I agree. The spiritually mature add their amen to it. The spiritually immature says, well, I don't know. You know, I'm still working on it. No, I consider it worked. I trust God. I said, I trust God. I rely on Jesus. I am one with him. I press on so that God can do what he needs to do. If you understand that, say amen. Go with me to James chapter 1, verse 2, as we get ready to round the corner on this. James 1, 2, let me just show you this. Uh, I'm just going to read through this about maturity. It says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, do what? Do what? Consider it an opportunity for great joy. The King James says, count it all joy. Verse 3, why? Why should I consider this a great opportunity for joy? For you know. Where does knowing happen at? We're back to our minds. This whole thing it's about how we're, how we're thinking, how we're believing. For you know that when your faith is tested, the same faith that you are safeguarding, for you know when your faith is tested, endurance has a chance to grow. See, that's the thing. Mature believers have endurance. Just like an athlete. That's why I love the fact that Paul's using this athletic parallel or this athletic example about running a race. How I many guys know if you're a mature runner, you've, you've worked those muscles over time. You've gotten your, your cardio together for your heart and your lungs and everything. Your respiratory system is used to running long distances and races. But if it's your first day practicing, how many of you guys know you might not keep up with the group? Why? Because you haven't built up an endurance yet. Doesn't make you a bad person. It's just you're immature in that particular area. You're physically not ready yet. For the, for, the, for the actual race that comes ahead. 
But Paul is saying here, he said, hey, uh, not Paul, uh, James is saying here that, that when the trouble comes, is anybody experiencing some trouble? When the trouble comes, he says, don't freak out. Don't get into performance-based Christianity. Don't join that religion. He says, your endurance has a chance now to grow. So count it all joy. Verse 4. He says, so let it grow. Somebody say, let it grow. Somebody say, let it grow. For when endurance is fully developed, you, here's a promise, will be perfect and complete, needing no thing. But do you see the process? That's why I tell you all the time, God's not mad at you because you're in a process. You should not be discouraged because you're in a process. Don't buy into the lie of the enemy that tells you because you're in a process, that means God has abandoned you. Because there are haters, because you're in a battle, because it looks a little dark right now that you're in a process. Things may look dark, but Jesus is my light. And I'm focusing on him who is the word. He's going to be the lamp to my feet, the light into my path. I'm trusting in him, and I'm following him right out of this mess. I'm just going through this. I am not setting up residence here. He said, you'll need nothing. Verse 5. He said, if you need wisdom. Now, you know what wisdom is, right? Wisdom is knowing what to do when you don't know what to do. Oftentimes you find yourself in situations, tests, trials, let me just make it real plain, haters, stuff going on in your household, your marriage, uh, your job, whatever. You find yourself in those moments and you're like, I don't know what to do. Anybody ever been there before? Somebody said, I'm there right now. If you need wisdom, what should I do? Ask our generous God. Here's a promise anytime you see will and shall, and he will give it to you. And he will not rebuke you for asking. There are no dumb questions when it comes to getting wisdom from God. Well, Pastor Archie has been teaching on this for three months, and I should know it by now, but you don't. So just ask God. It's okay. Just ask him. He's not going to rebuke you for asking. Verse 6. He says, but, here's the only qualification. When you ask him, be sure where does surety happen at. Again, it's not my body. It's talking about your mind. He says, when you ask him, have your mind right. Be sure that your faith is in who? Who? Now, who else could my faith be in? me. He said, don't have faith in yourself. Don't be sitting up there asking God for wisdom, worrying about what you did or did not do to qualify for his voice to speak to you. Amen. He said, I'm going to give it to you. Why? Because I'm gracious. Because I love you. So be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty, or King James says a double-minded man, you can't be loyal to God and you, by the way. You can't be loyal to trust in God 
and then be trying to operate in performance-based Christianity or self-effort. So don't go to God and ask him for wisdom so that you can now figure out what you need to do. Let me say that again. Don't go to God in wisdom so then you can try to figure out what you need to do to fix it. Sometimes his wisdom may not tell you to physically do anything. He may just say, sit still. That may be the wisdom he gives you. Keep doing the last thing I told you to do. And if you're trusting him and you don't have divided loyalty, you'll follow the Holy Spirit. He said, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Keep going. Such people, now we're not such people, amen. amen. Such people who do that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable and this is a powerful statement, everything, now he's talking about performance that they do. Instability in my actions comes from instability in my believing. But stability in my believing will cause stability in my actions. If I want to do right, I need to start believing right. And right believing is I trust in what Jesus did, and I trust in the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I can stay the course if I can settle my mind in that area. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So maturity and joy come from standing firm on your faith in God. Those who are mature follow the Holy Spirit and are under grace and not the law. They are not trying to be right by what they do but they're being right by how they believe. Go to Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 16. We'll, we'll finish out in the New Living Translation, the rest of these scriptures. Galatians 5, 16. We're going to go up to 18. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Isn't that what we were just talking about? Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. That's pretty simple, huh? The Holy Spirit's never going to lead me to sin. I said the Holy Spirit is never, <laughs> some of y'all looking like, what? Is never going to lead me to sin. That's why we always say holiness is actually the objective of grace. Well, because I'm under grace, I can just do what I want to do. The Holy Spirit is never going to lead you to sin. You're sinning because you want to. Not because grace has freed you to. Amen? Now, why is that important? Because that sin is a sign of unbelief. And unbelief will get you off your course. That's why it's dangerous. Unbelief is, I mean, sin is not dangerous because it's going to put you in hell. Jesus is taking care of that, but unbelief will knock, sin will get you in unbelief and it'll knock you off your course that God has set for you. So if you're living a life of sin, you're clearly not following the Holy Spirit. And that ain't going to work out well for you, amen? amen. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. Keep going. And the Spirit gives us desires 
that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Who gives you right desires? The Holy Spirit. Wait, I thought I was just supposed to read the word a whole lot, and then I was going to give myself these good desires. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit, yes. As you, you know, you read your word and you do those types of things, but it is the Holy Spirit's job to put right desire on the inside of you. He will give you the desire to desire right. You've been trying to figure out how you're going to lose this appetite for sin. Trust the Holy Spirit. It is his job to change your appetite. I said it is his job to change your appetite. I'm on this nutrition thing right now, and this, they just gave me, uh, for last month, I get these new diet things. How I many I know I don't want to eat that stuff? My appetite was set a specific way. But as I trust in the nutritionist, guess what's happening? My appetite has now changed. I'll eat that nasty brown rice with nothing else in it. I'll eat them rolled oats with nothing else in it. And before I needed my butter, I needed my sugar, I needed all of that. I'll eat the ground turkey on the rice, on top of the spinach, with nothing else in it. And it tastes good. Why? Because I ain't eating all the sugar and stuff no more. Because I put my trust and, I, and I'm relying on the nutritionist. Because she knows what's good for me. And so I'm relying on what she's saying, and it's working. And my appetite has now changed. Amen. And because my appetite has changed and I'm eating what's better for me, now guess what's happening? Because I changed the way I was thinking, now it's starting to translate, and I can't show you right now, but you'll see it eventually, and how I'm looking. But the behavior change didn't come until the mindset changed. And so it is in our spiritual lives. Now that I've submitted myself to the Holy Spirit, now that I'm saved, he will give me the desires that are opposite of the desires of the sinful nature. Do you see that? Verse 18. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under, now here's what's important, we're back to this. When you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation to the law of Moses. Why did he, well, how did they throw that in there? Well, what it's saying is, is listen, when I'm directed by the Spirit, self-effort has no place. I don't have to sit up here and be worried about bad behavior when I'm directed by the Spirit. Well, that makes total sense now because the Holy Spirit is going to lead me only towards good behavior. And good behavior, by the way, is whatever God says. Amen? So, because just think about it. Just think about it very practically. He just said, the Holy Spirit will change your desires and he won't lead you to sin and then he turns around and says if I'm following the Holy Spirit who will not lead me to sin I am under no obligation to the law of Moses well what does the law of Moses do it shows you your sin this actually the New Testament says it strengthens sin in your life so to try to live by the law is to by definition not be following the Holy Spirit do you see that? Because the Holy Spirit is not going to lead me to sin, and that's what the law does. The law promotes sin. So if I'm trying to follow the law, I'm trying to follow something that's going to promote and strengthen sin in my life. The Holy Spirit's like, no, I can't, I can't do nothing with that. And the Holy Spirit is the one who transforms and changes me. Not the law, the Holy Spirit. So you have the Holy Spirit on this side. 
and the law on that side. And the Bible is saying, stay away from the law, stay away from the self-effort, and you'll stay away from the bad behavior. Isn't that interesting? The law, even though it's perfect, it will actually cause you to behave badly. But when I stay with the Holy Spirit, sin will not be promoted because he doesn't lead me to. And therefore, good behavior comes out of that. Do you see that? Holy Spirit, no sin or no leading to sin, good behavior. The law strengthens sin, results in bad behavior. If I want to stay the course and stay on the right path, who should I follow, the Holy Spirit or the law? There you go. Oop, let's keep going. <laughs> uh, yeah. Go to uh, verse 2. Where are we at? 16, 18? Yeah, go to verse 2 real quick. We're almost there, guys. Are y'all getting something out of this today? Amen. Good. It says, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision, now, again, we're back to the, to the law. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Do you see that? He's saying if you're counting on circumcision, then what, what happens? Christ can't do nothing for you. Now, real quick, I'm going to write down what we just said because it goes right, it goes with this. Let me use the black marker. So we said a second ago that the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you got him on this side, and then you have the law on that side, right? Now, the Holy Spirit, does he lead me to sin or not sin? Okay, so he leads to no sin. But the law strengthens sin, right? Or gives uh, or promotes sin in my life. So let's say promotes sin. Now, if he's leaving to no sin and promotes sin, which side do I want to be on? Some of y'all sound like you're not sure. Which side do you want to be on? <laughs> yeah, the Holy Spirit side, right? So if I'm being led to no sin, is it safe to say that this is going to result in good behavior? All right, so I have good, I'll just say actions for the sake of time. Good action. But over here, this is going to be what? <laughs> Bad actions. So constantly, there's this contrast throughout the New Testament where Paul is saying and others are saying, listen, stay away from the law. Now we just saw a scripture that calls it circumcision. Sir, comes it. I used to be circumcision. Circumcision. C-I-A-L. Circumcision. Oh, I asked Y'all didn't even help me out, but that's all right. <laughs> circumcision. So if I'm in circumcision, I'm under the law that promotes sin, which is going to result in bad actions. Are you seeing that? All right, come on. Let's keep going. So listen, I Paul tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, which one of these will make me right with God? The law? 
mm, the Holy Spirit. So if I want to become right with God, it does not happen over here. It happens over here. Now, who made me right with God? Well, no, Jesus did. So Jesus is on this side, and he's ultimately the one who makes me right with God. And because I'm right with God, I now have the Holy Spirit who leads me to no sin. And if I'm led to no sin, I will be performing good actions. And Galatians 5.22 describes what these good actions are. They are, guess what? Love. Because isn't that what he shares abroad in my heart? So, bad actions come from the law, from the promotion of sin, also known as circumcision. Are you with me? Okay. This is also what we call self-effort or performance. And this is where we get this performance-based, oops, Christianity from. So those are all the things I want to stay away from. Amen? All right, let's finish this out. So he said, listen, Paul, I'll tell you this. If you're counting circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no effect to you. Now that should make more sense now. This is Jesus Christ right here, right? What side is he on? He said, if you're, if you're trying to live by this, this is not going to work. Does that make sense now? I'm on the wrong side. To be right with God, I need to be on this side. But many people are trying to live over here. They're worried about their bad actions. So they say, oh, I, I, need, to, I need to live by the law. I need to do right. And understand, the law is not just talking about the Mosaic law. We, we've created these new laws. I said, we've created these new laws. You better go to church every time them doors are open. You better make sure you're dropping at least $1,000 in that bucket. You better make sure you join at least four departments at your church. If not, you ain't serving God. You better make sure you raise your hands doing praise and worship every single time. Because if you don't, you're going to miss the blessing. Anybody ever heard? I mean, that sounds extreme now, but anybody ever heard that before or lived your life that way? Yeah, me too. All of that's talking about you better perform right if you want to be right with God. I don't have to worry about all that performance. Now, everything I just said is good to do, isn't it? But I do it because of what Christ has done. I do it because it's how the Holy Spirit's leading me. I tithe because the Holy Spirit leads me to. I serve in my church, and I go to church because it's what he leads me to do. Not so that I can be blessed and be right with God. I'm blessed because of what Christ did. And I can be settled on that fact so I can keep staying my course of following him. But if I get over here, I get on the course, off the course, on the course, off the course. I get depressed, I get sad. Why? Because I keep failing, I keep messing up. But he never fails. And guess what else never fails according to the Bible? Love. So I want to stay on the success side. I want to stay on the winning side. 
verse uh, 3. He said, I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, <clears throat> keep going, you must obey every regulation of the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off. Do you hear these dramatic words? If you're trying to live by this, you are cut off from this. That's a pretty powerful statement. You have been cut off from Christ. You've fallen away from God's grace. Christ. Grace. Who is grace? I'm cut off from all of this. Holy Spirit's in me, but guess what? I can't hear him. I'm cut off. Why? What cuts me off? Trying to live by this. Making a decision that I'm going to do it. I'm going to be like God without God. Where is God over here? Does the Bible say that the law is God? It says it's perfect, but the law is not God. Now, everything we wrote on here came from a scripture. Where is God? Righteousness of God, it should be over there actually, but it really should be over here. Let me fix that. <laughs> Here's God. And this is me being right with him. That comes from here. And he's on this side. Jesus, Christ, grace, makes me right with God. Holy Spirit's over here. Right actions are over here. Love's over here. It's all over here. And that's what Paul is doing through all these chapters and all these books. He's creating this story of the good news of what Jesus did. And then he's saying, so this is how you're supposed to live. And this is how you stay the course. You stay over here. Don't go back over there. Fear, doubt unbelief, depression, whatever else, it tries to get you to go back over here to fix the problem. There is no problem because of grace. Grace has settled every issue. It says you've been cut off from Christ, you've fallen away from God's grace. Verse uh, five. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Y'all stay with me now. All right, but we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. How do I receive? It's by faith. Here's my faith in what grace did that makes me right with God. Not my faith. You notice what side we're on. He didn't say by your faith in the law. He didn't say by your faith in circumcision. He said, by your faith, you get what the Spirit has on the inside. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly await to receive by faith the righteousness of God. Six. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being uncircumcised, sorry, in being circumcised, but there's benefit in being uncircumcised. And you can see that right here, can't you? Now there's no benefit in this because circumcision is the wrong side. So I need to stay on which side? The right side. The side that the Holy Spirit's on. The Spirit side, I like that. <laughs> uh, verse uh, 7. 
He says, what is important is faith expressing itself in love. You were running the race so well. We're back to the race. He said, you were running that race so well. What race? The one he was talking about to the church of Philippi. The one of believing Jesus. The one of trusting in him and not in circumcision. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following what? Now he said, the truth. Jesus Christ, grace, truth. They're all the same person. Remember that which is the word, which is the gospel. He says, who's telling you something different? Verse eight, it certainly isn't God. Why? Because God's over here. Amen. He's on the side with the truth. So if you're not hearing, if you're not following the truth, you're on this side now. So he said, it certainly is not God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. Amen. Freedom's on this side. Freedom's on God's side. Freedom's not on self-effort, performance. It's not on that side. Verse 9. This false teaching, whoa, that goes on this side, doesn't it? This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. What is false teaching? Living by the law. The law itself was perfect, but now that Christ has come, the law is obsolete. So if somebody's still telling you, you need to live this way, he said, that's false teaching. That's false teaching. And if you allow a little bit of it in your church, if you allow a little bit of it in your study time, if you allow a little bit of it in your thinking, it's going to get throughout your whole belief system. That's what he's talking about in that scripture. Keep going. Verse uh, 10. He said, I am trusting the Lord to keep you. He said, I'm trusting who? He said, I don't know if I trust y'all, but I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person who's teaching you this stuff, whoever it is, who has been confusing you. Now, when you see this, this ain't confusing. Here's where the truth is. Here's where the Holy Spirit is. Here's where Jesus, Jesus is. Here's where grace is. And Paul was teaching this all over the place. But somebody was coming back saying, no, that's not right. This is the way. And that happens right now on social media. Post something about grace if you want to. And then here come everybody. Are you saying that you can sin and get away from it? You don't know your word. Because when I follow Jesus, who is gracious, who is the truth, the Holy Spirit can't lead me to sin. So of course I'm not saying you should sin. But because you're confused, because you don't know your word, you don't realize you're actually following something that promotes to sin. Trust me, the person who is following the law got sin busting hell wide open in their life. They know how to look like everything's good, but everything ain't so good. Not because the Holy Spirit told me that. That's what the Word says. Verse 11. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if I was still pre- Oh, well, I won't get into this, but you can keep reading that on your own. Paul begins to say that they're lying even on him, saying that he's still preaching the law. Because remember, that's what he used to do, hardcore. 
And he said, they're lying, saying I'm still teaching the law. He said, and he says later on, he said, if I was still teaching the law, they wouldn't be hating on me. They wouldn't be persecuting me. He said, they're persecuting me and keep trying to lock me up because I'm preaching grace, which is the truth. So somebody say, stay your course. Here's the bottom line. You got to understand that all is well in your life and you've been promised joy. You've been promised peace. You've been promised victory. Psalms 30 uh, verse 5 says, I think uh, you, you can go there, but I'll say it. In the end of it, it says, weeping may endure for tonight, but what comes in the morning? What comes in the morning? Joy comes in the morning. This uh, version says his favor lasts a lifetime. His grace is never going to give up on you. It's never going to stop. It's never going to run out. We got songs that say that. It's going to be there for a lifetime. Go to Psalms 28.7. Here's another uh, promise about joy. Psalms 28.7. Yeah. It says, the Lord is my strength and a shield. I trust him with all my heart. Go to the King James version of that. I like that version better. It says, the Lord is my, what? Strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. If you need help tomorrow, you need to go to who? The Lord. He is your strength. He is your shield. It says, therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth. Understand this, that Jesus knows and understands everything you're going through. When the Holy Spirit came upon him uh, at the end of uh, Matthew, uh, I think it was 3.16 after he got baptized, chapter 4, he goes right out into the wilderness being led by the Holy Spirit to be tempted. Now, many people say, oh, well, you know, they got all these beliefs on how he was tempted. Here's what you need to understand. In verse thir- uh, 16, when the Holy Spirit ascended on him like a dove, it didn't say he was a dove, it said like a dove, God said something from heaven. Do you remember what it was? He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What did the devil ask Jesus or say to Jesus in Mark 4, 3, 5, and I think it was 8, 2? What he said several times was, if thou be the son of God. Well, what did God just say? This is my beloved son. Now, it's interesting that he said, if thou be the son of God, he didn't want to remind Jesus that he was beloved. But he immediately attacked Jesus' identity and belief in who he was and what God said. And the devil's playing the same game today. He's trying to knock you off course by trying to get you to forget that you are seated in heavenly places, that you are the righteousness of God, that all is well in your life, not because of what you do, not because of your performance, but because of the greatest performance there ever was, which was the performance of Jesus on the cross. You are his beloved children. And he is well pleased with you because he's well pleased with his son. Jesus was tempted in unbelief, but he overcame. And because he overcame, you overcome. So now do what your brother did. Trust in who God said you are. Stay the course. 
and don't allow anything to get you off track. Don't allow no haters, don't allow nobody's murmuring, don't allow nobody's doubt and nobody's fear to become your own. You have not been given a spirit of fear, you've been given a spirit of power, love, and as the Amplified says, a calm and well-balanced and disciplined mind. You saw all those things that we had to keep right in our minds. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the one who helps me keep my mind right. He's the one that adjusts my appetites. He's the one who adjusts my want-tos. So all I got to do is believe. And if I can believe God, I can stay the course. So I want to tell you tonight, because my time is all gone, stay the course that God has set you on. And trust him and don't allow any doubt. As a matter of fact, say this with me. Say, I doubt my doubts. I doubt that I won't succeed. I succeed because of Christ. I doubt that I'm not healed. I am healed because of Jesus. I doubt that I'm not successful. I am successful because I follow the Holy Ghost. I am the righteousness of God. I am free. I walk in love. I have the favor of God all over my life. His joy is my strength. I rejoice in the good news that all is well because of Jesus. I turn away from self-effort, from performance-based Christianity, <laughs> from the law, and I trust in the Holy Spirit leading in my life. I am victorious. I am an overcomer. I win. I win. I win. I've won in Jesus' name. Now shout and give God a hand clap of praise for that. Amen. Now you just stick to it. You just stick to it. Now you continue to roll this over in your mind and just allow him to continue to perfect everything that concerns you. See, as we grow now in this word, and I'm so proud of y'all tonight, y'all stayed awake, glory to God, and you stayed engaged, because it's time to start eating something a little stronger now. Amen? And it's okay if we go an hour and 15 minutes. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be all right. Because it's, it's what God needs to get on the inside of you so that your thinking can be right. See, now the Holy Spirit got something to work with. Amen? Because now you've heard some things that's not only building up your faith, but also now starting to change the way you think. And you're going to go home and you're going to read this for yourself. And man, you're going to see more and more and more in it. Holy Spirit's going to reveal more truth to you. And before you know it, as those situations start to come up, you'll just speak to them. You'll just speak to them and declare the word of God. You'll say, no, I'm not falling into that. I'm free. No, I'm not going to get into fear. I'm going to walk in love. 
And you'll do that not because you're trying to get God to do anything. You'll do that because the Holy Spirit is empowering you from the inside out. I'm telling you, it's going to be a whole nother experience now. You've been trying to walk out a love walk so you can just be right. Now that you found out you are right, now the love can just flow from you with no restraints, with no personal gain, because you've gained all in Jesus. So now you can just love people. Watch, and I declare new levels, new levels in your life. I declare anointing and power to fulfill his will and his purpose. I declare his love flowing through you, nonstop, overflowing, and people chasing you down to experience his goodness, his favor. I declare that people are becoming friends of God through the ministry on the inside of you. That they're no longer enemies of him. But they will receive the grace that the body of Christ on the cross provided. And I declare a decree that as you're following him, you will stay the course and joy will be your strength. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Praise God, praise God. Let's give God a hand clap of praise.